Hey everybody, this is Steve Haverly. I'm running for mayor of Tacoma and you are listening to the Dave and Steve show. Previously on the Dave and Steve show. All right, stud, you go out and enjoy those waves, young man, while you're out look there at, with your look at set of nuts on yeah, that guy. <laughs> while you're while you're out there with your your penis that you very obviously have. Uh, yeah, now that I have man boobs, it happens even now, but that's totally a different deal. <laughs> what I'm saying is, this show 69. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's and we want to have there, close there friends. Yeah. We want to have close friends in our lives, too, and I think that's another thing. Here's a question. Here's one of my very open-ended questions that you guys don't know the answer to, but you try and act like you do. Hey, what makes that noise in your pond over there? Give me the, give me the web address right now. So NASA I, dot something give give me the web address right now rowdy teens no adults playing pickleball where do you stand on john cougar mellencamp Ooh. Uh, yeah outside I, the arena hopefully <laughs> no <laughs> Show number 70 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me in mirror. 27 miles away is Steve. All 70 of them. And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy. Boy, do we have a good show tonight. Maybe even great. Oh, yeah. yeah good. We'll stick with good. Show number yeah. 70 of the Dave and Steve Show. Uh, to get things going right out of the gate tonight, the thing that's going to keep this show from being poor which I think it's trending towards already, and we're only 30 seconds in. What's going to keep this show from being poor and actually bring it to that good, great level is our guest tonight. He is the front man for a band out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, named Gene the Werewolf. We get to the bottom of, is he Gene? Is he someone else? Turns out he is someone else. His name is John Bellin, and he is the singer and songwriter of the band Gene the Werewolf out of Pittsburgh. And if you're going to hear some clips of his music I bring bands to this group often, and I say, hey, Steve, hey, Tracy, I found this band that I really like. I would say better than nine times out of ten, which I guess would be ten times out of ten. They don't even bother to listen to the band that I bring them, because typically what I bring them is is utter nonsense. It's fluff. It's, it's drivel, as Steve puts it. He often tells me the music I like is drivel. Drivel! Yeah, I, I I will go ahead and patronize you at least. He does not even have any patience for that at all. I, I have no time for drivel. So in this case, I said, but guys, this band, Gene the Werewolf, we're going to have the singer on from Gene the Werewolf. You guys have to listen to this music. And they rolled their eyes and said, okay, whatever. And then as you'll hear in the interview, both of them fell in love with what they heard. It's fantastic music. It is hard driving, no nonsense rock and roll it is great stuff, and it is catchy as hell. So we're going to bring you that interview, and then we're going to be back right after the interview, as always, to bring you our world-class humor. Uh, we'll bring the show from great back down to probably the good range somehow with, with what we bring after the interview. But for now, enjoy the great part. This is John Bellin from Gene the Werewolf. You know I left her the other day in frustration and I told her that she just don't understand 
Now she's moving on to reach her destination. To give her cheating heart to another man. Well, she's told me she would travel. Our guest tonight on the Dave and Steve Show is proudly playing the kind of rock and roll you just don't find anymore. Formed in 2007, his band's music is full of power chords, catchy melodies, and the kind of swagger you'd want as the soundtrack to your next barroom brawl. He's hard rocking, he's hairy, and he's our guest tonight on the Dave and Steve Show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Gene the Werewolf. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is, so, Gene, I'm going to call you Gene. Uh, because your name's Gene, uh, and we'll get into that later. But this is one of those things where, so in this day and age of technology, back in the day, and I'm not going to speak to your age, but I'll speak to mine, to find new music, you literally had to go to a record shop, and you had to go to one of the standees. You had to find the new music that had been released that you had never heard of. (laughs) Typically, nine times out of ten, at least for me, you judged it based on album cover. You were like, holy shit, there's a bat and a wolf on that. I, I need to check that out. You'd put it on. <laughs> Sometimes it was amazing. You have this little checklist with you yeah. of things that you needed. and uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, Absolutely. The album cover was everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it was really like you'd get something that was like, it was folk music. And you're like, I don't understand how this album works cover works with this. But in this day and age, the way you, at least I do it is you either have, you've got like a Spotify or an iTunes and they've got a new music playlist. And these things just come out, same thing, like every Friday, just like new music in the stores. And it sort of tailors things based on the type of music you like. So not long ago, it's been a few years now, uh, I, I get this new music drop from iTunes and I'm listening to this band in my car and it's a song called The Loner. And I'm like, who the hell is this? This is awesome. This is exactly like sometimes iTunes is way off. And then there are times where iTunes nails it so perfectly. You go like this. This has been missing from my life. And I'm not sure I knew it was missing. But now I know. And that was the band, your band, Gene the Werewolf, playing the song The Loner. That's how I found out about you, and then I just rolled from there, and I am now, I, I'm a, I would say, a huge fan. I love oh, your music. I love everything you do. So tell me, how did Gene the Werewolf come about? I know it was formed in 2007, but tell me sort of the genesis of the band itself. Uh, so we were all, of course, growing up uh, doing our own things in different local bands together. Uh, we had been, all, all the members in our band have all been in our, you know, we've been in our, our, our punk bands, our hardcore bands, you know, whatever you have it. Um, and then when there, there came a time where all those bands were just kind of parted ways, we were looking to start something new. Um, and a bunch of the guys who I knew from the local music scene were also looking 
for a new band to start up. And I think one of the things with this band was like, I, like I said, we started off with like the punk and hardcore, you know, when you're young and you're kind of, Hey, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's sure. be cool and do this. And we were just like, why don't we just write the music that we, you know, comes from our heart. Um, and we, let's, let's form a band based off of the stuff we listened to growing up, which is, I think, um, how we started writing music. And then it started off, uh, actually, I, I had only started putting things out, like, like demoing them. And um, a couple of the other guys that are currently in the band now had heard those songs and hey, what do you plan on doing with those songs? I said, oh, I don't know, you know, just maybe, I don't know, putting them on the internet or something like that. And then, um, you know, we just kind of formed a band out of it and, and until we started playing our first show and we just kept on rolling with it. And I hear, <clears throat> when, I, when I hear your music, whether, I could be way off on some of these, so please just humor me if I am, but... It, to your point, I hear I hear the punk influences, but then I also hear things like I hear that Bob Seger piano that comes in every once in a while, and I hear oh, yeah. sort of some of those classic influences, and I think that's what makes it so good. I know you know if you read the bio on your website, mm -hmm. it talks about you guys are carrying the mantle of what is a dying breed of of rock and roll, and I think sure. you know whether or not it it comes back at some point. It you're you're right. It is. Yeah. It's not where it used to be, but at the same time, like this is the kind of stuff where you hear it, and it it's got that throwback feel to it, but it still at the same time feels modern. And I think that's probably because you do have those the punk influences and all those other things that sort of bleed into it and make something that sounds classic yet at the same time unique and new. Sure, yeah, and as a matter of fact, what you just said there was you know when people tell us that that's one of the greatest compliments I think we could get um, because it is kind of like a throwback, but it's not throwback in the sense where like you said you don't i feel that like when people listen to us they don't turn it on and it's like oh this this has to be from the 70s or this has to be from the right. 80s like people are like oh i you know i, I could kind of see you know the uh the, the punk roots to it and i could kind of see uh a modern twist is what we usually what we usually say um so yeah that's that's like a great compliment to us we 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 actually come from a background you know it's not that we just listen to uh, the music that we play, you know what I mean? The, we all come from a very eclectic background of music. Like uh, my, one of my, fa my favorite band in the world is the Beatles. Uh, whereas our guitar players, one of his favorite bands is, is Rancid. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, we all kind of found that common ground and um, just whatever you hear comes out of it. And it, thankfully, I, I, you know, I think that it works for us, you know? When I think to, to your point with the, with the Beatles, you take a song like Fame and Fortune or something along those lines. You you guys write catchy hooks. I think that's the the important thing. Just like the Beatles, some of their songs. Like I I, I I'm one of the people that can kind of take or leave the Beatles, but I very much appreciate a good hook when I hear it. And that's one sure. thing that they had top to bottom. And I think that's one of the things that endeared me right away. Is you know after I listened to The Loner, then I listened to songs like The Walking Dead and sure. fame and fortune and, it, and that's the thing they all share is they're all different songs but they've all got a hook But, and not just one hook. There are multiple hooks in, in each song. And I, I was bouncing from hook to hook 
and a couple of the tunes and i'm like this is really good that, oh, so, that's the bit so that was the modern band that i'm hearing too because i i hear a lot of songs start to put extra hooks in which is i love that because it's mm-hmm. you know it's just satiating me so i'm i'm listening to like a whole album's worth of you know the, back in the 80s, you'd have to listen to an entire album to hear that many hooks. But sure. it, that in, in one song, and it works oh, musically. Um, it, it's not like you're jamming them in to jam them in. It's like, hey, this 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 hook works with this. I loved that and oh, thank you. Thank really you. enjoyed really enjoyed hearing. That's how I find new music, by the way. Dave listens to algorithms, and then I wait for him to say, "Hey, have you guys heard of Gene the Werewolf?" And then that's that's how I find that's how I find my new music. Incidentally, Dave, yeah. when Dave was saying, "I hear," and I'm like, I was so glad he said Bob Seger because he has been saying everybody sounds like Leo Sayer, Neil Sedaka. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't embarrass us with that. That was well, great. Well, little known fact that Leo Sayer does fall to me in the yacht rock category, which I am also a huge fan of the yacht rock, and I'm not gonna, I'm not even shy of saying that. Oh no, um, no, I, I have a nineteen, I have seven hours of nineteen seventies soft rock hits uh, loaded up. I painted my house to that. That's my favorite. Yeah, uh, that's the actual... kind of stuff you don't tell people. Actually, <laughs> that's, you just kind of keep that in your inner monologue. So, One right. of the things no, that uh, when uh, I well, it's, yeah. it's funny, it's funny you say that because I that was going to be something I brought up during this interview at some point. So I'm surprised it just came so early. But yes, <laughs> huge '70s light rock dentist office music fan right here. I, I swear to God, not, not I, I don't even know what the appeal is, but it, <laughs> it certainly makes me feel less anxious. I love it. Well, no, for but- me, for me, all the hooks do is help me remember what song I'm listening to. Because yeah. uh, the thing is that when uh, when Dave had introduced us to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, because I am this is hard to admit, but I don't know a lot of music that comes out of Pittsburgh. I don't. Sure. And uh, but um, I was kind of looking. I was drawn to sort of just the power rock element immediately and i was hearing kind of like yt and and ace fraley kind of thing and then and then it was very much but then there was like singing and melody and like good song structure and i was like well this this is the part i'm not used to oh cool i've been waiting for that for a long time that's awesome you know the funny thing is is like it's not it we don't do that intentionally it's just i think that what happens is um it you know, I could sit down and when we when we're writing an album, for example, I could like I we could demo uh, thirty songs, and but we have to narrow it down to the you know the ten that we like the best. And quite honestly, I, like I'm I'm not one. Of, we we've never we've never been the band that's kind of like um, we we don't like to put filler in our albums, which means just like now don't get me wrong, some of the greatest bands out there have you know tracks that you don't listen to. They're some of my favorite tracks. Um, but I think for me, when, when I, if it doesn't like relate to me personally, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm writing it, then it kind of doesn't hold my interest at all. I've definitely written songs before that I have in a catalog and then I, I'll listen, I'll go back and listen to them and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I, I could see why we passed that one up. And, and quite honestly, it's probably what you said, like when the hooks, if the hooks don't make me feel like, oh, that's it, that's it. Then I don't really, we don't, we don't use it, you know? Um, so maybe I think that's probably what happens there, but, uh, it's, it's cool that it, it's, that's, what's uh, recognizable. Well, and uh, you know, to, to give you an, and I know, listen, I know we're going to heap 
praise on you for a little bit here, but I hope you don't mind. Uh, please, and, please, go ahead. And I also I want to get to the name, and I want to get to the the Steelers, and I want to get to a few things here. But sure. Um, one of the things Tracy and I listen to a lot of similar music. We we have similar musical tastes in a lot of ways, and in some ways, like anybody else, we differ. But some of the bands that we go to see just before we went on the air, we were talking about Metal Church. This, mm-hmm. There's this band out of uh, Germany called Ed Guy. We go to these shows, and it's all dudes. It is mm-hmm. 100% top-to-bottom dudes there. Oh, yeah. And I think the thing that always shows me that somebody is sort of a, a cut above, that not that there's anything wrong with that music. I've attended it as well. But I said to my wife, hey, we're going to have this guy on the show called Gene the Werewolf. And she was like, oh, that sounds... You know, she rolls her eyes because, like every <laughs> yes. band that I listen to... Common story. Common yeah, like she's a sweet lady. She really is. She's a sweet, sweet person. <laughs> but like you know, I you know I play her a, a metal church song, and she's just like, "How how do you listen to this?" Sure, sure. And then I start playing Gene the Werewolf songs. It just through Alexa, I just you know have her start firing yeah. different ones up. And before I know it, my wife is she's saying, "I hear from I'm upstairs, she's downstairs." I hear her say, "Play that song again." And oh, that's Play awesome. that song again, and play more songs like this. She, th- this is the kind of music that has broad appeal and to your point and to the point that i made earlier about your website saying this is the last of a dying breed Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate because when you hear when you see people everybody starts tapping their toes to this stuff this is music that should be finding a much larger audience than i know you've had some degree of success and obviously we've heard about you and people have heard about you and you've got views on the youtube videos and all that but it this feels like something that should be out in front of a larger audience Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's funny what you say about. Uh, <laughs> we always joke with ourselves about like we're very uh, we're very dude rock, you know. Sure. Um, we we, we would have loved to have been around in the '80s where it's you know the big hair and all the girls chasing. You're like, oh my god! Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we live in a time where that's kind of like uh, you know that gets handed on to the boy bands now, and uh, so we're we're cool with that, but. Um, Funny thing is, we always joke around too. So if when we're when we're playing a show and the guy who, who if we don't have our sound guy with us and we have to do like these, you know, the house sound guy, sound guys love us. <laughs> we always joke around. We're just like, if every sound guy in the world knew of us, we'd probably be famous, you know. <laughs> but but it's yeah, it's like you said. I, my um, you know, I've, I've definitely had some uh, ex girlfriends that I'd like to think they're not saying that just because they were my ex girlfriend, but they're like, you know what? The funny thing is, is like. This isn't normally my type of music that I listen to, that I listen to, but um, it's very catchy, and I, I find myself listening to it because I like it, not just because you're my boyfriend. You know? And I think that's whether you know you talk about the yacht rock or anything. Like the other day, yeah. I've got I've got a ten year old daughter. She's just starting to get into pop music, current pop mm-hmm. music, and most of it I can't stand. But yeah, like a Nicki Minaj song comes on, and I'm I said like, who is this? This is a pretty good song. Like I'm yeah. all of a sudden I find myself singing along to this song. A good song is a good song regardless sure, of I, genre. And I think that was evident by my wife, who typically wouldn't s- sort of go out and find this music, go out of her way to find it. Suddenly now she's listening to it and wants to hear more of it. And I think that's yeah. the, to go back to your, you know, the hooks and sort of the songwriting process. That's what you do really well is you guys, you make oh. really catchy rock and roll. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I've quoted that exact quote before. I always, I always say to people, good song is a good song. 
Uh, I used to go through that phase where I was just like, you know, if it's not rock and roll, it's crap, you know, but, but realistically, I mean, like I, if I heard a song, if I heard a song by Justin Bieber, uh, if, if I liked it, I, I'd be like, Hey, you know what? I don't listen to Justin Bieber, but that song's pretty damn good. It's, you not know? Bad. So yeah. it, it's just, uh, that's just the way it is for me. I mean, that's, that's, I think what sets apart people who are in bands to be cool and people who are in bands because they love the music. You know right. what I mean? If you're a musician, you appreciate everything. So now where does, where does the name Gene the Werewolf come from? <laughs> well, uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, when I, when we were younger, like I said, we, we just finished, uh, my one band had broken up um, and a lot of the guys who were in my band currently, um, a couple of the guys were in my old band with me and we broke up and we were at a party one time and um, we were sitting around bullshit and we were all drunk and being stupid. And back in the day I had... I actually had really long hair and I had this beard with the long hair and my friend was looking at me and he's all like drunk and he's just like, man, you look like a goddamn werewolf. And I was like, yeah, you know, John the werewolf, you know, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's gotta be Gene the werewolf. And I'm like, well, where'd you get Gene the werewolf from? He goes, I don't know. John just doesn't sound right. And maybe it was like the slur of words. Maybe instead of saying John, he said Gene. So when we decided to record music, I mean, we sat there for days and was like, what are we going to call this? Like, I don't want to put it out as my name. Like, I don't want to put it out as a solo thing. And I, I believe it was um, the drum, our drummer, Nick. He said, why don't, why don't you call it Gene the Werewolf? And I said, you know, that's really funny. I said, because that's something cool to just put it under, just to put it up on. I think back in the day, it was like MySpace, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we put it out as Gene the Werewolf. And... Um, Man, the rest is history. That's it. It just stuck. Once we started putting more songs out and more people started listening to it, we were kind of stuck with the name Gene the Werewolf. But then we kind of, you know, we adapted to that. We kind of lived up to it too. So we kind you know, of Steve, betrayed the image. Steve came. <laughs> Steve came dangerous. So Steve is a Steve's a drummer. He's a very okay. very good drummer. Plays to this day. Really active. Steve in college had a band and they were trying to come up with a good name for it. And Steve, I remember this story suggested Uncle Martha and the Pack Mules. But the singer didn't want to have that name because he was worried everybody would start calling him Uncle Martha. He would just by default become Uncle Martha. And so I, that, that was the same thing. Like when I reached out to you, I didn't know if you were Gene, if you were someone else, if Gene was the name of the band and your name was actually Rodney. Like I, I didn't know <laughs> where that all no, came no. out. So. No, it's cool. I like I said, it, it's it's either or that, and that's why if you you were asking me before, do you want John or I was like, you know what? Everybody calls me when we play shows. I mean, nobody comes up to me and says, "Hey, John, great job." I mean, they all say, sure. "Hey, Gene," you know. So sure. it's just kind of taken on that. Uh, and, and and I don't know. Sometimes maybe like during interviews, for instance, I'm just kind of like, well, I don't I don't even know what to call myself. Like <laughs> that's I'm like, if you want to call me Gene, that's fine too. Uh, Mr. Werewolf, your yeah. limousine is outside. Yeah, I've gotten that too. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, but, uh, the, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on and ask you about is the connect, your connection with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So tell me how this all came about, because there's quite a few people out there who have written. You tell me he's the wide receiver. Actually, I'm the wide receiver. There's... Yeah, me, I, I, would, I would definitely be the wide receiver for the Steelers <laughs> if, it, if it meant uh... – Making a little bit more fortune and fame, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so the, there are a lot of people out there who have written fan songs or theme songs or whatever you want to call it for a sports team. Yeah. That yeah, whatever. The you you've got a you've got a story that goes along with the Steelers that actually brought you some degree of success, right? Big ben Harris. 
Yeah, we, um, all of us in the band are huge Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Um, we love them. We're diehard. Um, and when we were, when we were forming this band, we, we wanted to kind of portray, we always, we wanted to let that, I don't know if you're familiar with the term yinzers. You know who, what yinzers are? That's what they call Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Sure. You're a yinzer. Because we always say, hey, yins guys, you know. Um, so we, we kind of wanted to portray the image that, hey, we're all from Pittsburgh and we're proud of it. Um, and then one day we got, we got an idea. The Steelers in 2011 um, were doing really, really, really good. Uh, they made the playoffs. We had a really good season. We thought we were going to go all the way. Uh, which we did. We actually did go that year, but we didn't win the Super Bowl. But regardless, um, we were there is an old Steelers polka song that was written in the early '70s, and I was just like, we ought to make a, we ought to redo that with like more modern names, you know, with the modern players, just more modern lingo. So we did, and we kind of did it not thinking that much of it. We said, oh, we'll send it to the radio station. Maybe they'll play it like before the game, or maybe they'll play it at the stadium. Um, and it wasn't until we actually put out like a, like a picture video on YouTube and it like literally blew like, oh, and one night it got like a hundred thousand views. It was like, Oh shit, you know, this is crazy. you know. <laughs> yeah. And so we kind of just every year, um, we kind of updated a little bit and it, it kind of got to the point where like, I think we were just like, all right, you know, we've updated it so many times. I don't want to kind of be known for being that band, but it is a cool, uh, and, and I think because of that happening, we've built like kind of a relationship. Um, one of our one of our um, players who's now retired, his name is Brett Kiesel, and he had a huge beard. And the local radio station in Pittsburgh, uh, 102.5 WDBE, used to throw on a charity event where every year they'd sit him up on a stage and people would go up and shave his beard. But it was for like you had to pay money to do it because it went for to a charity. And we, we, we started getting asked to, you know, to play those events. Uh, and then we started getting they started having Steeler pep rallies. And we, we started getting, so it just kind of like all formed from that one little decision we made to record a Steeler song. Sure. So yeah. well, it was really cool. I've, we've had you on long enough now. If you hang up, we still got good material. So now is the time when I will say that you guys robbed the Super Bowl from the Seahawks. The, <laughs> oh, the, the, ref, the refs handed you that game. It, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Seahawks fans like to, um, they like to try to find a rivalry where one does not yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was a a pretty clean cut Super Bowl, but we were just all pissed off because we hadn't been to the Super Bowl, and so uh, to lose no, the, the one... ball was not over the line. <laughs> Roth, well, Roth, look on Roethlisberger's face was just as surprised as everybody yeah. else. I believe the fit there. I believe the fit. Yeah, yeah. No, funny funny story about that game was we were actually I was in my old band Gene, Gene the Werewolf had stuff because I think that was in two thousand and six. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe two thousand seven, but. Um, we, I was actually in an, on a, in my old band and we were on tour and the night the Steelers played the that we were actually in Seattle and our bass or our, not our bass, but our, our drummer had the Steelers logo on his bass drum. Oh. And when we, when we went up on stage and they were sitting, everyone was going, Whoa! it was like, Oh man, we, we didn't plan this, you know, but that, that is true. That's a true I'm story. surprised they didn't turn around and do it because Seattle's so passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the venue we played. It's, it's really, really a popular venue. And if you said that, I'd probably remember it, but, um, Numos? no, it was no. something like, it was something like, I want to say it was something like the shelter or like the cove or, or, or something uh the the tractor the crocodile uh, uh the, cent the central 
Yeah, literally, I like we can we can we can after. <laughs> yeah, we might be able to might, all of them. Yeah, it might not. Yeah, it might not even be there anymore. It was it wasn't like El Corazon or something. El oh yeah, El Corazon. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That, that Which was might it. have been like the off ramp. Yeah. Play, played there many times. Okay. Shithole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. they, have a de- they have a decent stage, but it is. Oh, like, they definitely have a great stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shithole. Yeah, but that, you know, that's where it was, though. El Corazon. Yeah. I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. The bathrooms work. That's for sure. Yeah. That's how that's how we always Yeah. At least you're yeah, yeah you weren't like uh Lynn Swan and the uh four of Franco's or something like that. Oh right, you know, right, that right. Would be. Uh gosh. Tell me I want give me a little bit of backstory about like how that your concept for your video came out, which is basically uh, a bar fight, including you and you. Yeah. Um, tell me, and you where uh, you end up very bloodied in that uh, yeah. that song, and it's a, and it's a and it's a great song and a great vibe to that. Uh, tell me about shooting that video where you play such kind of a large double role in this. Uh, so we kind of were looking for a concept. Is uh, I think the video, yeah, the video we did before that was just kind of like a handheld camera. Where we, I was walking around the city of Pittsburgh, and we kind of wanted to make this one a little bit more. Um, well, you know, b- videos back in the old days, like were actually like they had some theatrics to them. You know, it wasn't yeah. just a band playing in a microphone, and, you know, in, in a room. And um, we were we were brainstorming, and and I, we we got together with our with uh, the director's name is Chris Sikra, and he said, "I have a weird concept. I don't know if you're going to be big on it, but he goes, what if what if you like were in the bar and instead of." what people think I should have known better instead of what they think the song is about. What if it was about you breaking away from your old self uh, and turning into like a different person rather than thinking of like, Hey, it's like about a relationship. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And he said, I want to try, I kind of want to make it like fight club where you're kind of fighting yourself. And I said, okay, well, how, how would you do that? And he's like, lots of, lots of special effects. He goes, but, um, he goes, but I think I can make it work. And I said, my, I remember saying that one of my main concerns was, I said, listen, you know, I don't know how I'm going to look fighting nobody. Like, I don't know if it's going to look fake or not. And he goes, trust me. He goes, well, I'll, I'll make it happen. But we actually had a, a stand. My, my, uh, one of my really, really good friends uh, was actually my stunt double in the sense that wherever you saw like an extra arm or like a body, that was actually him. And so it was easier to act upon that. Um, but the the club that we shot at was just actually a, a club that I go and frequent here in my hometown. And luckily, and I hate to say luckily because it's not luckily for them, but this was during a pandemic where uh, nothing was open and they were actually shut down. So in a way, it was kind of cool because we got to help them out too. We actually said to them, hey, listen, uh, how about we rent the room off of you and we'll We'll film the video at your club, and that way you kind of can make some money from not, you know. Not and otherwise, nothing would be going on at all. Right, right. right. Yeah. And uh, so we were really careful. The whole the whole crew had to like we were all wearing masks, and um, you know the scenes obviously for, that were being shot. You know, you took your mask off, but you know it, it worked out pretty cool, and we're really happy with the way it came out. And uh, I was very skeptical at first, though. I won't I, I won't lie. I was I thought it was going to be a disaster, but. Let's yeah, it's one of those it. things that's going to require video production to create the magic that. And by the way, successfully, it's yeah. a oh, it's a great you. it's a thank great you. video. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was it was lots of fun to make, man. Very tiring. It was actually shot in, in, in on three separate days, um, and the one day was actually two weeks apart from each other. So I actually had to go and get a haircut in order to <laughs> match up because they were like, "Well, if you shot if you shot the video, your hair." I have a pretty sick fade going on right here, you know? <laughs> so they were just like, if you don't fade that back up, it's not going to look right. So, but 
but it was uh but it was uh it was it was fun man we had a good time and that's what i that's what i like you know back to your point of this is how videos used to work yeah when you say your love and touch video you just walked around with a with a handheld camera yeah. that was one of those videos i will say like i watched about 30 seconds of it and I was like, is he going to walk around just with this handheld camera the whole time? <laughs> and so I fast forwarded it a little bit. And then when I realized that's what you were going to do, then mm -hmm. I was all in. Then I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is awesome because this is now this is going on for a long time. This is an extended cut. This is really cool. Oh, thank you. But it is one of those sort of concept things where just like with the, the fighting yourself, it could come yeah. off really poorly and, and sure. boring or it could be. And once it hooked me and I understood what it was, I, it was it was fantastic. I oh, will thank say you, <clears throat> without a doubt, though, my my favorite song that I've heard of yours and and. Maybe there's another one out there I would like more, but I mm. love Keep It Together. And I love Keep oh, It Together great. for the hook. I love it for the musicianship, but I also love it for the message of, it, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but it, it, it's a song that for me is about you're flirting with success. You get there, you get really close several times, but you're not quite there yet. And it's that perseverance to sort of keep going because it is what you love doing, regardless sure. of whether or not you've hit that or not. I've been high, baby, I've been low Set on fire, left to burn On the side of the road I'm taking a stride If it takes me forever, I go crazy Right now, I need me to die Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. We, we, um, we kind of at that point, we we had just reached the 10 mile or the 10 year mark for our band, uh, and we were just throwing around the idea like, you know, what? Let's write a let's write a song about being a band for 10 years, you know. And and the, and the crazy thing about it is, is, there's lots of highs and there's lows, and that's where the course comes in. And it's just being in a band is like, it, you know, I'm sure you guys are all musicians, and it's it's just it's like a relationship. Sometimes it's awesome, and when it's awesome, it's the best feeling in the world. And sometimes it really, really sucks. But then you have to just pull through and say, hey, look, in the long run, this is what I like to do. And, um, you know, you wait for the next best thing to come around. And that's exactly what that song's about, man. I'm glad you picked up on yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's you are so right about all that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Oh, yeah, my God. You just yeah. nailed it. I, I don't have to see the therapist this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, we, we've, like I said, it's it sucks. And, you know, people come up to me all the time and say, you know, Oh, this is so awesome. You get to do this. And, you know, I'm just like, trust me, it's not all fun and games. I mean, there's lots of um, disappointment that happens, especially like um, we got offered to, <laughs> we, real quick, I don't want to keep on rambling, so stop me if you. No, no, but, by uh, all means. We uh, A couple of years ago, we uh, a very, very last minute, we got an option. We got an opportunity to open up for the darkness. And um, they, they had a band, they had a support band with them, but their support band broke down. And they were, they were caught somewhere and they couldn't make the show. And the promoter calls up and said, hey, you want to open up for the darkness? We're like, yeah, the, obviously, you know. Right. And we got there, and when we were playing, their manager and all of the guys from the darkness were standing on the stage, side of the stage, watching us. And at the end of the show, their manager came up to us and said, "Hey, listen, we have four more shows left on this tour. 
we want you guys to play the rest of them with us. And like, that's something that when you're like 15 years old, you're like, maybe if we play with this band, they'll, they'll yeah. take us on tour. You know? yeah. yeah. But it never happens. Well, that they actually offered. And I could remember we were like, we all cleared it. We cleared our schedules with our, with our jobs. And we were just like, we're going to do this. We're going to go on this last couple, this last leg with the darkness. And I mean, I shit you not right at the last second. They were like, guys, uh, we're going to end up taking this band instead. And it sucked, and we were just like we we were like ah, our hearts were broken. But because um, you it, it, there's the it's the double edged sword of yeah, you were good enough to even be considered. They they weren't sure, they weren't sure. giving you lip service like that was a legit offer. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you got so close, but still were sort of where you were prior exactly. to that. And and yeah, that I, is that's a that's a tough. I mean I, that's I think that's when I when I say to you you know we're all big fans and we love this music. I I never know like if that if that stings because you're like, yeah, dickhead, of course we would want more people to hear our music. Like <laughs> sure, when I say sure. like a lot more people should be hearing this yeah. music and yeah. that's not the spirit. I, uh, I hope you know that, that we don't mean it. And we mean that we're, sure. we are big, big fans of what you do. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, like I said, it, it, you get your hopes up and, and you know, I'm, we're all older guys now. And you know, when that stuff happens and the opportunity, you turn into like a young kid again, thinking like, Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> and then all of this, then all of a sudden those dreams just go crashing down again and then you get away from the next <laughs> thing to come along. So yeah, it's just, but yeah, that song is exactly about that. Just all the highs and lows and uh, you just got, got to stick with it. So we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. I wanted to mention, we've obviously been playing song clips throughout this interview. If you like what you hear, go to genethewerewolf.com uh, or you can go to YouTube and just search Gene the Werewolf or you can hit iTunes, Spotify, any place. Any place you get your music, they're going to they're gonna have Gene the Werewolf. So just go search it out by name if you like what you hear. But I wanted to ask you, obviously, you mentioned, you mentioned COVID. You mentioned the pandemic. You mentioned, obviously, every, everybody who does what you do had a lull of some kind. You, you kept at least somewhat busy by releasing some new singles and things like that. Sure. Is there a new album on the horizon? Uh, you know what? It's it's really, really funny. Um, it's kind of a tricky way to answer this question because I don't want to rule out the possibility of another full length. However, um, starting with, with Keep It Together, and then we released a song called Love and Touch, and then we have our new song, I Should Have Known Better. We've just kind of been having fun releasing like one-offs. And we kind of, we you know, that way we, we kind of make a video with each song. Yeah. Um, and it's been kind of working for us in the sense that, yeah. you know, uh, our, uh, we've we've been in full rotation on uh, on a Pittsburgh radio station, uh, WDBE one hundred two point five WDBE, and, and every it, it's you know whatever we're having the best time in the world just just doing that, and we we followed up with a video. Um, so like I said, I, it's it would be foolish of me to say no. There's never going to be a full length album, but for right now, I think we're just kind of like enjoying like releasing like the singles. And, and when I say singles, I don't necessarily mean like. Hey, it's going to be a hit song, but you know, sure. like th- we're just re- releasing new music to say, Hey, we're still doing this the best we can. And, um, you know, well, we're- I mean, why the hell not? Right. It, right. Right. I mean, it, it, you don't, it doesn't need validation of nine other songs to be wrapped around it. And exactly. you can do a lot more when you, when you focus on just, you know, dropping one song at a time. And it's actually a hell of a lot more exciting for, you know, your listeners because right. it's not, it's not like somebody just drops a batch of songs out at you and you binge all of them. It's right. kind of nice to have them, you know, divvied out as right. I've 
found with every TV show that I watched over yeah. the pandemic. So, yeah, but know. I mean, albums used to album when you used to have an album or even a cassette or something where you laid out, you felt like you got a product, and so yes. and that's that's missing. And so when yeah. you make it, when you make it special, and you're gonna make your 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 band is a brand, mm -hmm. it has an identity. It builds fans around that and then you release something a product that they can enjoy you've kind of recreated what's been missing from albums for a very long time just right. by doing it off singles sure. so i think it's great it's a great idea oh thank you thank yeah like i said it's it's all about you know we're having fun and uh quite honestly that's the most important part to us you know we always tell people that you know if you're going to be in a band to try to make money then good luck because today, <laughs> today it's just not going to happen, man. I mean, like, honestly, I mean, some of the biggest bands in the world, I mean, you know, unless it, we actually, we actually talked to uh, a music producer who during the pandemic was offering free advice to bands. He was like, listen, this is it's the pandemic. I'm all about helping people out. I want people to live. So I'm offering, I can't, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry. I forget his name, but, um, he reached out to us and basically told us, it's like, listen, I'm going to tell you a harsh reality to everything. Uh, pretty much nowadays, you will never become a huge, huge, huge musician as long as there's still guitar in, in your music. And we were like, really? He goes, yeah, he goes, like, he goes, record executives that put these bands on this huge level now. He goes, as soon as I hear a guitar, they're like, next. Like, and it's just like, and that's really the honest to God truth, which yeah. is like, it sucks. But realistically, like I said, we, we, we do it because it's, we, we enjoy it. You know, it's, we've never been like, hey, let's try to get real famous. You know, we've just found, we've gotten off on the fact that like we're doing it the way we want to. And hey, people are kind of noticing a little bit. That you know, we've we've talked on this show, the three of us have about pick your band, whether it's a, a long-standing band like an ACDC, or a band that's been around for a while, but but is quote unquote newer, something like yeah. the Darkness or the Foo Fighters. Right. There's not, there's no once those sort of rock gods, if you want to call them that, are gone. Mm -hmm. There's nobody in line to take that spot. There's nobody sort of, at least in the in the popular mindset. There's nobody. It's not like it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, right. and even 90s where you sort of had that next generation of bands. You knew who they were. To your point, right. it has become a very – radio has become really dominated by pop. Yes, and I, I, yeah. I, it's not to say it's not – there's not merit in that music, but I really hope that we get at least some kind of a little shift. I hope that – everybody has said for a long time that rock and roll is dying or dead or sure. whatever it might be. Yeah. I, we're, we're about as close as I think we've ever been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that, like I said, going back to our, our, our original saying, you know, good song is a good song. Yep. And I'm sure that, you know, like you said, I'm as a, as a guy that plays rock and roll music, I'm very open to all like just listening to like, Hey, hey that's a good song. You know, I, I don't listen to that artist, but I like that song. But then look, I'm, I'm also guilty of the fact saying, well, if I, if I like that song, 
I'll probably only go and download that song. So hence is yeah. the single, and you know, and, and, and that's shame on me for doing that because that was never how that that wasn't how I was brought up. But um, <laughs> but I mean, I used to, like I said, I, I used to collect all the albums and sit on my bed and, and turn on the uh, uh, the boombox and, li- and just read all the lyrics, and it was the greatest thing in the world. But times are dear times are weird man they're well they have <laughs> so the studio system kind of abused that right yeah, 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 like yeah. It, it got to a point where it was like one single and then yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah and and they were and they had all the control they could do that and now not so much now and now you can't lean on that and it's it's um i don't know i think it's really pushed artists and made you know made it uh made it so you can't you can't have some executive that isn't even a musician, sure. you know, barking sure. that, no, no, you got to save that song for the next album. We're going to, we'll round it out with some Play-Doh here. You right. know, that's, right. yeah. Now I, I want to know, Gene, John, Mr. Werewolf. <laughs> John. <laughs> when am I going to be able to karaoke should have known better at a bar? Because I am going <laughs> to rip that shit up. <laughs> It, I'm, I'm going to dominate that bar with that tune. That is absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to do it. So is that, is that something, how does that work? When does that show up? There, I think there has to be some sort of a licensing agreement with those karaoke companies. Um, I think the closest we've ever gotten to anything of that nature is uh, we're on uh, touch tune jukeboxes. So, but it's only touch tune. If you go to a bar and there's a touch tune jukebox, you can get two of our songs on there. Um, but uh, as far as the karaoke business concerned, I, I do not know. I, I'm sure it's a publishing deal. Uh, I'm sure you just, you know, whatever. But uh, we have yet to experience that yet. That would be, and if, if you somehow come across that, please send it to me. <laughs> I, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Like, Dude, check it out. Some guy's singing our song. Well, but, yeah, uh, I'm totally down. In, yeah. in, in, the, in a day and age where, as we've established, rock and roll is not what it used to be, Please go out and support a band like Gene the Werewolf. You can you can find them online. You can find them in lots of different resources. This is a from what I gather because obviously you guys are not part of a major label deal or anything like that. You're you're doing this all grassroots and it's amazing. And the fact that you've gotten the traction that you have, again, speaks volumes about the musicianship and the writing of the songs. So, if you like what you hear, go hit GeneTheWerewolf.com. Find them on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere else. And in the meantime, Gene. John, as Steve would say, Mr. Werewolf, thank you so much for being on the Dave and Steve Show. One more round of applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Once again, we would like to thank our guest, John Bellin of Gene the Werewolf. Yeah. Holy cow. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. We'll be right back on the Damn Steve show. Yeah, that's after, what we'll do. After, after this. Good Lord. Let's do this again. Satisfaction. Just in time for summer, Wild Horse Pizza brings you the extra cheesy, extra saucy, extra tasty, sizzling hot meat pizza deal. 
buy either a meat lover's pizza or present a valid ID that you're over 50 and female, and Wild Horse Pizza will knock three bucks off of your purchase. And remember, whether you're a hot podcaster ordering extra cheese or a podcaster's mom craving extra meat, Wild Horse Pizza will satisfy you in 30 minutes or less, or it's free. Wild Horse Pizza. <laughs> I know a weenie man, he owns a weenie stand. He sells most everything from hot dogs to buns, 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 buns. Someday I'll join his life, I'll be his weenie wife. Hot dog, I love that weenie man. Well, look who's f***ing going to Oregon and making me do a minute at the last minute. Oh, it's Dave, kid Dave, being a to his family again and his fellow podcasters. So anyway, this is uh, has been Tracy's days of big head going to Oregon minute. Okay, now <laughs> <laughs> the re- the reason for that minute, as you heard it, is because we typically record these shows on Thursdays, and I know I'm mm. I'm I'm sort of letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit here. You you I'm sure naturally assume mm. that we just get up at two o'clock Monday mornings. We record the show so they're nice and fresh when they post on Monday. But no, we typically record them the Thursday before. This Thursday, yeah. I am going to be down. I, we, I, we're obviously a podcast from the state of Washington. I'm heading a state south, going down to the lovely state of Oregon uh, to drive through the burnt out hole that once was Portland on my way down to Eugene, where the Oregon Ducks play. I'm going to spend some time with my mom and sister and, and brother-in-law down there. So I'm going to be off on the day we typically record. We decided because of that, we wanted to make sure that we had John Bellin on. Once again, big thank you to John for being on the show. Uh, And to do that, we had to record on a Tuesday night. So we get all done recording John, and I say to Tracy, do you have your your minute? He says, no, I don't have a minute because I didn't know we were doing the whole show tonight. And I said, do you have headlines? And he's like, well, I have a headline or two, but they're leftovers from last week that we didn't get to. And so then I was kind of hard on Tracy. And as a result... (laughs) That that was the minute I got in return. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he grudge minuted you. Yes, he, like yeah. totally. He, he totally he did the minute right in front of us. Wow, our mics were live. Yeah. He, he just. I was he just, like, yeah, okay, you want a minute? Here you go. Yeah, and he did it. He did the minute you just heard. We had never heard the minute before it plays on the show. We heard it today. And it was, and it was a little shock. It was a little jarring. Yeah, and and frankly, Steve, now that you've said that, and and for for you boys and girls listening at home, uh, if you're if you're not of the appropriate age, please don't do what I'm about to say. But uh, if you don't know what the term cuckold means, uh, Tracy effectively did a cuckold minute this time, where he made me watch while he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve was like, "Oh God, we're seeing how the sausage is made." Yeah. But it wasn't uh, because usually uh, it I I actually did that minute in about what well, I I probably what spent about ten minutes on it total, and usually I spend a lot more time on that. I thoughtfully write it. I have an editor go over it. I have it translated yeah, into right. a couple of languages. Yeah, and, of course, subtitles, all the work that goes in. Yes, and then uh, and then. Uh, carefully uh, picking the music and I, and I just I threw that together and uh, it, you can't tell no at not all a bit, no 
It sounds uh, very polished. Yes. After you actually let the song play that you chose for tonight, uh, your minute, quote unquote, is around 15 seconds. So uh, it was not rushed in any way, shape, or form. That was a that was a quality but I, minute. But I did enjoy that minute. I'm going to need to get that. That's that's a quality novelty song. Yeah. yeah. You know, as as Tracy and I discussed on past um, past episodes, we we like uh, we like we, the novelty, we like novelty music. music. Yes. Yeah. So, so we're going to, uh, we're going to, I want to talk golf just for a minute and I'll explain. We're not going to talk, we're not going to talk golf in the boring sense, I promise you. Uh, but S- Steve and Tracy, uh, I went out to a course this weekend. Uh, my buddy Phil is getting married. And this was, at, Steve, as you know for sure. And Phil, I'm sorry if you're listening, but I'm just going to tell it like it is. We never thought this day would come. We actually never, we, th- we assumed Phil would be single his entire life. He if he just, didn't marry you, right? <laughs> he was just one of, he was one of those people that uh, it just you know he hadn't found love. It wasn't one of those things. So now, in his forties, he's getting married, and so th- again, we're in our forties now. We're not back in our twenties where we want to go to some strip club and do some stupid thing that a twenty-year-old would do. We're we're older guys now, and so Phil said, "Hey, I, I want to golf. I want to go with you and and one other buddy of his and uh, a mutual friend friend of ours. We want to go golfing." And so he said, can you find a course in the area uh, that we can go golfing at? And, and I looked at a couple, and it was relatively short notice. So I looked at a couple, and they were booked, some of the like really nice courses. But I found one in the area that had open spots. And the name of the, the golf course is Blue Boy West oh, yes. uh, Golf Course. And I bring this up because the Dave and Steve Show has a history with, with Blue Boy West west uh there's a member of the show who has hit someone with a golf ball on that course and there's a member of the show who has been hit by a golf ball on that course so we're going to start with mine and then i'm going to let tracy kind of lay out what happened with his incident so i will tell you right now that i was the one that got hit uh we were we were i don't know it was like whole it doesn't matter but it was a whole five or six something like that and they were literally two, like if you look at hole five, you sort of drive in one direction. And then if you can imagine turning around 180 degrees and driving back in the opposite direction, but being, you know, 30, 40 yards to the left, these these were neighboring holes. And they were and long. There's a, there's a tree line there in is. between the fairways, too. And a healthy tree line. So I, yeah. I had I I teed off and was walking towards my ball. And just for just a brief second, I heard, you know, the sort of wind, the but it wasn't even that long. It was literally just a split second of this weird noise. And then I was on the ground. Then it sounded like a uh, pickleball being hit. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Call back to last week's show. Uh, no, but I, 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 I didn't know what had happened. And all of a sudden I had a, a searing sort of heat and pain on my right cheekbone, like literally right under my eye on the actual point of my cheekbone. It was just burning and throbbing instantly. And, Tracy was immediately there because he saw what had happened. And a guy on the neighboring green, the previous hole, had teed off. So he was using his big one wood driver. I mean, this was a legitimate drive. And he walloped that thing and hit me square in the face with it. He uh, just, I mean, just laid me out. So Tracy's there. And, and to his credit, Tracy was immediately pissed off and angry at the guy. Like, what the hell are you doing? What's going on? Like, he's hot because he sees his friend laying on the ground. I'm still trying to figure out exact process, exactly what had happened. This guy comes 
I don't know if he ran up or if he drove up on his cart. I forget. He well, drove I guess, up I guess in he his cart because he got a beer out. He got a cold beer out, and he said, "You know, put this on your cheek," kind of thing. So I'm, 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 <laughs> that's good. And I bet that really pissed Tracy off. He's like, "You're gonna drink a beer and watch my buddy on the ground." <laughs> So I'm I'm holding this to my to my face, not really knowing what had happened. This guy's very apologetic. He was, and and Tracy, not overly aggressive, but Tracy was being aggressive, saying, you know, you you really hit him. This is, you know, he he looks like he's hurt pretty bad. But I kind of got up and dusted myself off, and at least initially, it wasn't so bad. It didn't it didn't feel too bad. And Tracy, you and I finished out. It's a short course. It's a nine hole course where a typical one right. is eighteen. We finished out our nine holes. So we had a, two or three holes left to do. And, and we completed the day. And by the time I got home, my eye was swelling shut because it was so puffy. I couldn't see out of it. And you guys remember, my eye filled with blood. Like any white part yeah. I had in my eye was blood red. I had dimples on my face for several days. You could see the dimples from the ball where it had hit. And when I chewed, I went to the doctor the next day. And the doctor was like, well, we can't. I mean, we could, but we can't really put your face in a cast. There's not much you can do here other than sort of baby it, get rest, and after a while it will, you know, it'll it'll heal itself. But he did say you've cracked your cheekbone. And for weeks after that, weeks after that, anytime I would chew any kind of food, it didn't hurt after I mean it did for the first, you know, week or whatever, 10 days, whatever. But after that, it didn't hurt, but it drove me nuts because my cheek would click when I would chew right under my eye and I could feel it because it's kind of under your eye, like sort of pulsing and I could feel this clicking and it just drove me bananas. So that was the story of me getting hit. And it was scary as you were just walking along. I mean, and Dave, what well, you're six foot a million and, right. and just lumbering along, you're a tall guy. And all of a sudden he just falls down in a heap. I don't, I don't know if we had to go lumbering. I don't, why would you say lumbering? I don't lumber. I'm not a lumberer. I've you? seen you. I've seen you lumber. I feel yeah, he, like that was he, very he, deliberate to go lumbering. I, you were, yeah, you were more. Uh, God, what were you doing? <laughs> Cal, Cal, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't waddling. Can you we go skipping? Can we go with gallivanting? Would that be okay? Gallivanting. Yeah, that, that, been... that would that would mean that your arms are up in the air. That's kind yeah. of what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. off on a soiree on the uh, sixth. Uh, so I'm sorry. I so know. anyways, I I go yeah, down like the big fat sack of shit that I am. Keep going. Rolling, strolling along. Strolling. We, we, we got to nail this verb. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He was definitely strolling. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, but the guy was, uh, was quick to act. And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, he, he got out a beer for you. And I was like, uh, hello, where's so, my beer? So, and I'm glad you said the beer again. Cause here's what I remember. It was an unopened beer, obviously. Cause he pulled it out of the cooler where it was like ice cold. So I could hold it to my cheek. And then when he was sure that I wasn't suing him anymore, he asked for the beer back. Before he left, yeah. hey, can I get the beer back? So it was a Strohs. It that, wasn't yeah, like eti uh, etiquette says when you hit somebody in the face with a golf ball, you yeah. let them have the beer. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Tracy, Tracy was, he was, he was angry. He was worked up. You hit my friend with a golf ball. Now, Tracy, share your story. Well, mine was again. This was on. Um, the, we had been following behind this party that had been going kind of slow. And, uh, and I had yelled out to them a couple times, like, uh, Hey, can we play through or Hey, can we, and they just wouldn't, uh, they would not, you know, budge or move anything. And Get so, out of the way, so the, um, so it wasn't like they were deliberately playing slow, but, but 
and, or that we needed to get by them, but it was always like every other hole we were getting we were simply waiting. too close. We were yeah, leaning on our clubs and waiting and waiting and talking and waiting. And yeah, it was slow moving. So, it's so during this time after this happens for a couple of holes, you're trying to kind of like navigate like when it's a good time to be able to shoot, you know, or not shoot, but take a take a shot, take a take a swing. Yeah. Take yeah. a all the shooting baskets Pitch it. on the pitch it. Yes. Anyway, to I wanted to ball it to them. And uh, so <laughs> they were they were way off. And uh, and usually I wasn't going to. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and go. Dave tells me, no, I, I really think they're too close. And I'm like, no, I really haven't hit that far all day. And so, um, That's so, what did it. Yeah. yeah, so then I, in it, so I got out like I was, I, I don't know, it was a probably, it was like a three iron. So I was like, well, well away. How do you remember the club you used? You used because you of the distance. And so I had. So, so then Tracy, I, Tracy lumbers up to the ball. Like yeah, I just just totally like uh, skipped, gallivanted up to the ball, addressed it properly, and then gave it a whack. And uh, once you know, it was probably my best hit of the day. And then so Dave's like, "That that's got that's going to play into them." And I'm like, "I I don't think it's going that far." So right finally, I yelled four, but it didn't matter because the guy had come around the bush that was just kind of like beyond this green, and it hit him square in the sternum. Yeah. It was it was one of those things where it went Tracy hit it so well that it sailed past the green through the neighboring bush, as he said. And this guy was on the other side of that bush and we didn't know it like we in in Tracy's defense. He it wasn't like he took the shot seeing people on the green. He didn't shoot for the green knowing there were people yeah. standing there. This guy was, you know, probably back there looking were, for a ball. They were done, but, but he was lingering correct. around a hidden part of that. And then he had just made himself visible at the last minute just to get a just square right in the sternum so, sniper <laughs> shot center mass right to so the... so we hear the crunch of the bush and then we just hear this guy go oh <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i think you hit somebody and trace is like yeah <laughs> trace is like uh, i don't know i don't know i didn't see anybody there and then this guy comes out from behind the bush holding his chest and and he's got a welt. He's, yeah. So he pulls his shirt down. He has a round welt uh, between his breasts. It says Titleist in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I signed his chest with a Sharpie. Yeah. And Just, so uh, my buddy, my this, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was nervous going to this golf course because my buddy Toby parked his pickup there and then his pickup got hit by an air. He hit a car. Well, Dylan, he hit a car he in hit the parking lot. It. Oh, that's right. That's you're right. I, and listen, my memory's terrible, but you're right. When Toby we were, we were at the, there used to be a, a cafe on the one, one of the holes and somebody had taken the letters. There was like a little, like little shop. And there, there was like a little like Pepsi sign where you put, you put the, uh, the letters into the little grooves to like say what the menu yep. is today. And somebody had rearranged it to call it penis cafe. <laughs> and some, and I remember Toby saying, Oh, look, we're at the penis cafe. And then, and then hit a car. So th this course, <laughs> he hit a car. So I was nervous going to this course because it, we have not, it seems like every time we go there, we have some kind of story that we carry away. I'm happy to say no stories whatsoever. There was, there was a Shriners tournament going on, which we did not know about. So we were, <laughs> tell me they drove the little cars <laughs> oh, <that would> <laughs> with great. the little hat with the tassel. <laughs> so we were, 
we were bookended by old, very opinionated, very chatty old farts that, that wanted to talk. And uh, my buddy Sky, he teed off on a particular hole where these guys were, again, behind us. Because if you've never played golf, golf tends to, you sort of stack up. You get somebody slow sort of out in front, and then you're waiting for them before you can tee off. So you just parked in your golf cart waiting to take the tee boxes so you can go and then sometimes if they're really slow or if they hit an errant shot and it takes them a while to recover it and all that, there might even be a second group of people that pull up behind you that are now waiting for you to tee off so that they can then slot in. And so we had these guys pull up behind us and, and my buddy Sky, he, he tees off. It curves hard to the right, off into the bushes. Like it's gone. This ball's gone. And he's like, I don't know what's with me. I'm hitting it so hard to the right today. And one of the one of the guys in the cards, this is like hole seven by this point. One of the guys in the card says, well, not on the hole I watched, John. You hit it really far to the left onto the other green that wasn't even your, like he immediately is like, it's obvious they've been paying attention to us and probably laughing at how terrible we are at this game. But that was it. Outside of the, as, as my buddy Sky put it, the dickhead old man who should learn to mind his own business. Outside of that, it was just a straightforward day of, of golf, and it was good. And that it's course, relaxing, get a drink at the Penis Cafe, and then you're <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what what uh, what temple do you guys belong to now? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did how did they go about recruiting you? And did they it, did they do the initiation it, right there on the course? To that point, Steve, it felt a little Scientology because we had the group in front of us and the group behind us both say, both give us the pitch of like, you know, you guys could compete in this tournament next year. This is a, there's some pretty good prizes for this. And of course we laughed it off and said like, well, not the way we play. We're not going to get any, Oh, there's actually to a be prize. Uh, master Masons in the blue lodge yeah. before you can be in the Shriners. But They're like, like the technicality. I believe somebody tried to recruit me to vacation Bible school, the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he never came. It was weird. But anyway, it was so we did. We did get anyway. the pitch a couple of times. Felt a little Scientology, but uh, we did not. We're not Shriners, to my knowledge. Phil might. Phil might have called off the wedding at this point because he's he's got to dedicate his time to being the uh, the treasurer for the Shriners. Uh, but I, I don't know. But uh, so anyway, that's we we went out and golf. He's going to be in their uh, septic tank fixing it. Yeah, One exactly. Or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow some gloves? Uh, so uh, Steve, what did you do last week? Uh, so I played a uh, played a really lovely wedding out on Bainbridge Island. I um, am so glad that you're back to playing again. And the reason for that is we've shifted away from driveway stories. We've shifted away from home improvement stories. <laughs> We're getting good, good material now. Good band material out of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna have driveway stories next yeah! month when when we don't have uh, we don't have any gigs. But uh, but no, it uh, uh, it was fun to get out there now. Here's the here's the funny part about this. We have played this one venue out out on Bainbridge Island uh, that does these weddings. So maybe five or six of these parties, and every time we do, they set us up on this very iffy stage that is not big enough for all of our stuff. But we somehow managed to cram onto it. It's a couple of pieces of plywood, yeah, over over some um, planks that are. Um, that are kind of if you get on there and it, it 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 dips like it's like you know when you when you're playing don't get into it like don't jump up and down <laughs> yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. because yeah and then like it's right over the top of like begonias or something else you're gonna fall right through in into this giant bush um i i did almost fall off the back of it 
Um, and that, that was not, that was not graceful at all. But the, the funny thing about this is the guy that built it, the guy that built this stage for us and that we have played on several times and, and have sworn that we will not play on that again until it's repaired. The guy is a structural engineer, um, uh, uh, professor at the university of Washington. So the yeah, joke he is, phoned it in there. The joke he, is like the joke is like this is I don't like you're he's not bad at his job. Yeah. He just he just does he just not didn't care get about us at all. Yeah. Now I shouldn't say that. They've always been gracious hosts and, and stuff, but but that stage, the one iffy part of the whole deal. Um, well, so my wife's uh, father is a contractor, lifelong contractor, built houses. That's all he did. He built houses for people his entire life. And this is coming from my wife. So this is, I think, a well-known joke that if you want to see a really, truly shitty house, go look at a contractor's house that they built for themselves because they don't yeah. they don't put the kind of love and care into it that they would for somebody else because they just need a place that they can hang their hat at night when they go build at these other houses. And this reminds me of the same thing, Steve. Like if he built a stage for some other venue somewhere else, it would probably be immaculate and really well designed and really well done, but not in this case. Okay. So <laughs> here's the other part of this. Um, our uh, singer guitar player is also a structural engineer um, and, and went through the program at, um, at UW. I shouldn't say this, whatever went through the program and kind of gave, kind of gave the guy a little bit of shit about it. Like, um, like he's like, Hey, so, uh, and he threw out some structural, um, structural thing to the guy and the guy, um, kind of stood back and was like, um, this is the such and such principle. And as you know, if you, if you lay two pieces of, of plywood that are, you know, so, so thick across, you know, two beams and they're, they're overlapping the, and, and, um, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is where, this is where theory and bullshit meet, you know, yeah. just like right there. And, and, uh, so it was fun to watch, watch, um, uh, the one guy give the professor crap. And then the professor like totally, totally what could possibly be wrong with this stand on it? Yeah. You know, stand right here. Yeah. <laughs> and tell and, me that it's okay. And to your point, Steve, you, you mentioned that it, it was a small stage. You and I have played some painfully small stages. Even the, painfully. the, the bar that my dad owned uh, that his wife currently owns. The stage used to be a very good size stage, plenty, plenty of room. And then as mm -hmm. time went on, two things happened. One, they wanted karaoke. So they needed some kind of karaoke riser where the DJ could stand. So they had to cut off a section of the stage so that the DJ could stand on that. And then the other thing that happened is they, uh, to get around the, the smoking laws for bars, because you can't smoke in bars anymore, they created this outdoor smoking area. But to get to that outdoor smoking area, you had to go effectively up onto the stage and then into a door that was on the back of the stage and then outside. So they cut off another chunk of the stage so that you, the door was now open so that people could just walk directly across the floor without needing to step up onto the stage. So over time, as we got larger 
later in life, as we put on the, the dad bods, <clears throat> the stage got smaller. And we now when we go and play there, I mean, I literally have to stand on Steve's Tom while I play guitar because the stage is so small. But we played, I think, if maybe I'm wrong. Again, memory's not great. But I think the smallest one I remember was at this hotel or this motel called the Thunderbird Motel. Yeah. Yeah, that was the smallest stage. And the reason it was so tiny is because the stage itself on both sides and over the top, it was surrounded by brick. It had like a brick archway mm -hmm. that it, it's hard to explain, but effectively there, there were brick walls on either side of the stage, but there was actually a little bit more stage behind those brick walls. Yeah. Little, little alcove area. Yes, but, um, but by the time we got Steve's drum set up, closet. yeah, by the time we got Steve's drum set set up and we got our singer out front, the bass player and I were sort of standing off to either side of the, of the singer with only half of our bodies showing because we were sort of half on the stage and half behind these brick walls. It was so small in there and also just a just a shitty venue. Just a, <laughs> I mean, that's a rundown, <laughs> awful, decrepit old motel where I saw Quiet Riot, by the way. Yeah. Uh, true story. But just an awful little motel and that we, <laughs> we are playing the rainbow room at the Thunderbird Motel. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry, Steve, I, I kind of stepped on you a little bit there. But so overall, though, aside from the, the sketchy mm. stage, did the show go well? Beautiful. It was it was it was really great. Um, the weddings there are always really nice. Now, um, the load in is tricky because there's a lot of there's a there's a big bottleneck and a lot of vendors are down in the driveway. So I usually park in the upper lot, which is just a dirt lot where they where guests will bring their RVs and stuff like that. And then you walk down this little hill by an apple tree and you have to bring your gear and it's kind of a pain, but it's it's not it's not that big of a deal. Um, so uh, a couple of the guys are walking up there with me. I'm um, I'm trudging up to get to um, my car and uh, and I and I see a snake. And, um, it's just slithering out in front of me and the little ones, I hate the little ones so much. And I, um, I kind I had that knee jerk reaction where I, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the two guys behind me are like, what the hell happened? And did you get, you know, you know, stung by a wasp or something? I'm like, no, nah, there's a, there's a snake. And they're like, you're afraid of snakes. I'm like, oh God, these are the guys you don't tell that you're afraid of snakes. Yeah. That's because there's going to be snakes on stage now and yeah. it's, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be terrible other than, other than seeing the snake, which came up a lot. Like I'm not going back up to my car. Well, well don't, don't you need your throne? Yeah. Not tonight. <laughs> don't you need <laughs> symbols? Yeah. We're going to be just standing, <laughs> kneeling nope. down on it. Nope, we're good. We're good. I'm just going to use this floor, Tom, as a, as a snare drum tonight. So, um, the, everything went really nice. It's always really pretty there. Um, out on the water. It's, uh, it's pretty great. Anyway, did that. Um, and actually you're seeing family. I'm, I'm going to end up, uh, going and seeing my folks, uh, back home. Oh, great. So, awesome. so seeing them, uh, Wednesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday, the boy turns 16. So oh, that's, that's big. That'll be fun. Yeah. You're going to get, deal. you're going to get him a hooker. Uh, like, like is, that a, is that a fishing term? Yeah, is that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, like somebody to to spot for fish while he <laughs> while he brings it while he reels them in. Um, uh, I, I can take you to an area of Seattle where it's twenty bucks for a bobber. No thanks. Okay. 
no thanks we're good uh he's fine um yeah he's okay uh we don't <laughs> you okay tracy someone <laughs> caught me off guard yeah it looks like tracy comes back with two the seconds sort of adding that joke up and then went <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, that's great. Zach, uh, happy pre-birthday. By the time you listen to this, happy post-birthday. Uh, Tracy, how about you? Anything happened last week? Yeah, so a good transition from your prostitution joke. Um, it, now that uh, the pandemic wind, uh, was had wind, wound down a little bit in this uh, interim, uh, uh, church had become a thing in our lives again. And uh, it was funny because uh, my youngest son is five. And so there's been a good, you know, year and a half where he's church is just a thing we drive by or a thing sure. we, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we yell about, but he doesn't know how to do it anymore. So he's just sitting next to me and he's just like, you know, just like he's looking at me going, when's this over? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> is, is he done yet? That kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> And I'm just like looking at him and then I was like, wow, we, and everybody looking at that, who is this family? And I'm like, Hey, we know how to do this. We're just a little rusty yeah. right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually been kind of nice and uh, being able to see people and sometimes happy people and uh, uh, having that uh, be a part of our lives again. Um, and uh, the other, the other thing is like Rory, began doing the, as he got back from ground search and rescue he told me uh in no uncertain terms this is something he does not want to do again and never <laughs> to send me off to do that but this week he did get to do what he enjoys doing and he, he got to go back and to fly so he flew back from bellingham uh the other day it was well it was a couple of days ago and and uh and got some instructional flights and so he's back and happy and that and the rest of the kids i mean they're just, just my middle son's just you know i think he still lives here do you guys remember that show that movie <laughs> that show what an old person thing you guys remember that story from the 80s that that movie from the 80s with kevin bacon i think it was called one crazy summer uh where he takes the kids on the white water rafting is that the right uh, oh no wait i got that no, wrong. white water summer white water summer you're right yeah 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 yep yeah. yeah. uh whitewater summer that this is when you say that rory went off and did this thing this is what I picture in my head is that they were basically climbing devil's tooth or whatever the name of that mountain was. Uh, Kevin Bacon was his instructor. Eventually they got fed up and pushed him off a cliff and he broke his leg. And then they had Sam to take White, him back. had to come up with yeah. a way to get him, get him up. <laughs> yeah. Off the yeah. Of the yeah. 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 This is, this is what I picture. And, and don't tell me that's not the way it is. Just let me believe that in my head. Okay. Yeah, that, that is, it's funny. It's that uh, we talked about how, he, there was there were other cadets there, and I don't know if you guys had this problem too, but there were other cadets there that had they'd been there a week, and they were like trying to like not eat that much because they were afraid to like poop right. out in the wow. So they were like kind of like doing hot dog math, yeah, uh, in terms of like what how much that they were going to ingest and how much would uh, cause uh, their bowels to stir. But um, I don't. Uh, I, Tracy, I uh, have you have you ever have you ever seen Whitewater Summer? No, I've not. Will you please, over the course of this long week, since we're recording early, I see you looking around for something to write this down with. Will you please watch Whitewater Summer with Rory? He's of age now to where it's not it's not even rated R. I think it might be PG for the time, but it's it's one of those like 80s PG movies where it's in this day and age, it'd probably be a hard PG-13. Uh, but right. it's still, it's 
more than appropriate for for no Murray that'll be fine things. you just just watching uh, uh bad news bears with walter Matthau right. was it would have been probably our correct or, yeah. uh yeah. definitely so, i made that mistake so give that one a shot it it i think you guys will both appreciate it especially given the age that he is and the experiences that he's gone through of late and then report yeah. back to us next next week what you thought of the movie all right we will uh have a look okay all right so hey uh we had the interview things are going long Let's hurry up and do an abbreviated version of headlines. Can you handle that, Tracy? Sure. All right, let's do it. And now, straight from the Dave and Steve Show news desk in beautiful Anytown, USA Plaza, it's Tracy Green with this week's headlines. Our first story, a man is in a coma after an English bulldog ripped off his genitals in a horrific attack on Sunday. Emergency workers found the 22-year-old lying fully clothed in a pool of his own blood in East Lothian. I feel like this is a chimp move more than a dog move. This is a typical chimp thing to do, not... I Don't chimps like to, to rip things off, like noses and eyes and hands and they, genitals? They can. They're territorial like that. But is this a, is this a watchdog situation? Or well, a, I, I, I saw every episode of BJ and the Bear, and I never saw once <laughs> what you described. But the uh, man is in a coma after a dog bit off his genitals in a bloody attack. Uh, this is different English bulldog, which was not involved in the attack. A man is in a coma after... Uh, why does it actually say <laughs> this whole thing twice? Sorry, we pulled this up because Dave, uh, th- this is a poorly written article. Anyway, you know, dog, you, need to, you need to own this. Yes. Uh, paramedics immediately called uh, for backup too. when they saw the dog also covered in the man's blood. <laughs> he was rushed to Edinburgh uh, Royal Infir- uh, Infirmary. All my fault, by the way, serious ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. What's I, I apologize to this man because not only was it my fault that Tracy screwed up the headlines, but it's also my fault this man lost his genitals. And I apologize to both Tracy and the family of this man. You should say you're sorry to the dog, too, because I'm sure the general didn't taste very good. <laughs> and to chimps for stereotyping them. I, I've, I've sort of hit the. Uh Oh, did I not stereotype chimps? No, you're fine. Oh, why okay. did the do- why did the dog bite the guy? I don't know. It's, it happened in Scotland, so it's really hard to even know. <laughs> oh, well, there so it is. A, uh, they're fighting over football. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was probably Sunday World Cup qualifier. Do you guys remember like when I said earlier in the show that uh, Tracy built a whole minute around the fact that uh, he didn't realize he had to he had to bring the heat tonight? Uh, we're seeing that play out. We're seeing that <laughs> right now. This is this is what happens. Yeah. Anyway, that <laughs> happens. I don't know what happened to that story. Just uh, re- repeat it. And some of these, like, I don't know what it is. Journalism has gone downhill. Yeah, they didn't, even, they didn't finish it. They, they didn't even finish the story. You'd want to know why the dog bit the guy. This uh, I'll, I'll follow up with this uh, uh, n- next never. Uh, Looking forward to make it. Make sure that we get to that. Interesting story. Story number four. Google employees could see their pay cut if they switch to working from home permanently. In the wake of the pandemic, according to a company pay calculator that was leaked to Reuters. Did you, did you call this story number four? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The first two were last week. And this is story <laughs> number four. So if you paid attention. Yes. So this is we've had we may have even had this discussion on this show before. Mm. It's come up as far as 
in this day and age now where people have learned they can, especially in certain professions, I know it's not all, but in certain professions, they can work from home. And the fact of the matter is the cost of living at one place in the, I'm only talking for the United States right now. So if you're somewhere else, just do the math, but certain places in America cost way less to li live in than other places do. Steve Lawrence, Kansas would be a prime candidate for this. It, it costs you a lot less to live in Lawrence, Kansas than it does in say Bellevue, Washington. <laughs> Kirkland, where we yeah, live. Yeah. Yeah. And so you see people now who are relocating and working remotely because they found that they can. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're within 20 miles of the business or if you're 200 miles, you're still, you still do the same work. And so We've raised the question before on this show of how do companies handle that? Does a company say, okay, we're going to continue to pay you Bellevue wages. And if you don't know Bellevue, Bellevue is one of the ritzy areas of the Seattle area. We're going to continue to pay you Bellevue wages while you work in Lawrence, Kansas remotely. Or does a company say, hey, look, you're moving to a place that's a fraction of what it costs to live here. We're not going to continue to pay you competitive salaries for this area. We're now going to pay you what we consider a competitive salary for that. And the question that I've always asked is, okay, if it works that way, where I say to a company, I'm relocating to Lawrence, Kansas, and they say, okay, we're going to dock your pay and pay you accordingly for that area. What if I flip it and say I'm moving to pick your expensive area, San Francisco, yeah. Manhattan, right? I, I, Correct. And I'm get, and I'm getting a nice place, so make sure the make sure the paycheck is is yeah uh, upper west side. That's so, right. So uh, so scam. I'm I'm moving to somewhere more expensive. I guarantee you, you can't go to that same company and say, well, where I'm relocating to is much more expensive, so I'm going to need more pay. They're going to say like, ah, f off. You're getting exactly what you get right now, and feel thankful for it. So I'm not quite sure how I personally reconcile all this in my brain, because I understand why a company would say, hey, you're, but you're not living in Bellevue anymore. Therefore, we're not going to pay you Bellevue wages. But you flip that and I guarantee they're going to shit all over you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't that's I'm sure somebody's going to challenge that pretty hard. And I mean, a, a, on the grounds of, look, you know, I I we can't go back into wherever the office is. It, 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 we don't have to live where we work. We've proven it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And right. we make what we make, right? That's, you know, we, we do the job. You offered us the job for this amount of money and it, it, it doesn't matter where we live. It says in, in nowhere in my contract that I have to live here and do this, yep. this thing. And you have made it null and void when you said that we shouldn't come in. I don't feel comfortable coming in anymore. So I'm, I'm not going to come in anymore. It's my safety, you know, whatever. Do you, now, do you want the TPS reports done or not? Yes, exactly. Well, it's an interesting thing where in the company where I work, there was talk of a mandate to, for everyone to, who is an onsite employee. And so in my company, we have offsite employees. Sure. And we have on-site employees. That's kind of the way it's been. And it's always based upon like, you know, where you live. And so <clears throat> because there are certain skill sets we need to hire for, uh, where they are regionally, it, it was more important for us to get the skill set than it was to have them locally. So we've always had this a little bit of a hybrid that kind of situation where they were saying, hey, it's, hey, we were, it's, it's better if everybody's together. It's we collaborate better. We work together. We do everything a lot better. Um, so 
for at least three days a week, we want the on-site employees to come back. But it was, it was kind of interesting. There was like one guy I work with. He's like, my immediate team is seven people and six of them are remote. Right. And so the, where you work is just another building with internet access for the most part. And so uh, he's like, how do I work better? I have to now spend an hour in the car, maybe even wear a mask. And so I can work with my team that, for the most part, doesn't he? I've no, I don't see under normal circumstances. Yep. Yeah. So it it unravels really quickly when you're trying to figure out like how to really make this work, and companies really haven't come to grips with the fact that we have stepped into a new world. The tools be, were hurried and improved. Work, work cultures have adapted and changed and improved during this time because they were forced to. And the ones that have done really well and the employees that have done really well in those situations have figured out a way to do it and to send everybody back because somehow it's uh, it's it's better because right. they're all together. It is starting to sound more and more hollow than it did even a year ago. Well, and it, not only that, but they're they are finding across the board that they're getting more work out of us um, by having us uh, having us be always on at home right and not having to you know the commute time just kind of melts into your work time at this point you know whereas before your commute time was your commute time and so right there's that, not there's not a clear demarcation point because the part where you went out to the parking lot you got in your car and uh and you just turned on your stereo and you were uh cranking gene the werewolf yeah uh, mm -hmm. on your way home this is like that was your time and so now there is not a clear demarcation line unless you unless you deliberately deliberately make it yourself but i know for, i know for a lot of people that i work with including myself a lot of eight hour days have turned into 10 hour days uh very often and and what's more true is that there's probably more work getting done in some of these tense, more intense moments than there ever was in the, uh, in the office. So, well, it's, <clears throat> again, we've talked about it on this show before, as far as this is not, I, nobody should feel guilty about this being the way that things work. But when you roll into work on a typical day, you have a routine, you go, and it's different for bit, different people. But as an example, you go get your cup of coffee because you you just got into work, and this is after you've you've made your drive in. You go get your cup of coffee. You talk to a couple of people. Hey, oh, hey, Dave, did you yeah. get your haircut? <laughs> Correct. You catch that game last night? Oh yeah, I saw that. That was a close one. All that kind of stuff. You're sort of chatting with people, and then anytime you get up to go to the bathroom, it's the same thing. You got you know, oh hey, how's it going? I didn't see you. This wow, morning. your prostate must be acting up again. Yeah, and and people are dropping <laughs> by your cubicle to chat with you. I personally like. That is just the way businesses work. And most companies, any company worth their weight factors that in. They know that employees do that. It's part of the work culture. It's part of the work lifestyle. And to the point that Steve and Tracy made, you've now taken that all away. I'm sitting in my office. I don't want to talk to my family. I've seen them enough throughout this pandemic. So I'm going to sit at my desk uninterrupted and I'm going to do nothing but work. I'm going to just focus on, and it's great. It's quiet. I'm sitting by myself. There's no interruptions. There's no nothing. I'm just going to sit here and do my work. Does that mean I go a straight 10 to 12 hours without doing anything else? No, of course not. But at the same time, just to Steve's point that he made a minute ago, I feel more productive in this environment 
which is why I'm now saying to my work, like, you got to give me a really sound case as to why I have to come back. It's just like, it's not just like, but to, to compare it to something, when Napster hit the music industry, all of the record companies said, well, this thing, we don't do it this way. And everybody said, but wait a minute, whether or not they're stealing this music or not, the fact of the matter is this new digital medium, MP3s, is something new, hmm. and this is the way of the future. And they said, no, we've always done CDs or cassettes or vinyl or whatever it no, is. You can't, yeah, you can't get digital media. Yeah. That, would, that, would that would ruin it. This is how we do it. And it was for no other reason than this is how we've always done it. And it took a while before they sort of had their hand forced when Napster came along of like, oh, shit, everybody's stealing this music. We better find a way to make digital music accessible and affordable to people. And guess what? That means we don't get to charge 15 bucks for a CD anymore that has one good song on it and 13 filler tracks. We now have to charge individually, and that's going to change some things, but we'll adapt. And over time, they have. Are they making the money they used to make? Of course not. But things have changed, and they've adapted, and they've found other ways to make money and make profit from this. It's the same thing with this work-from-home structure. These the the bandit has been ripped off now, and you can't. To, I mean, I'm throwing, I'm combining analogies and everything else, and I sound like it's an great. idiot. But it's, no, you it's can't awesome. put the uh, band aid back. You can't in put the, the band aid back. It's like, exactly, it's like a display at the you know at the San Francisco MoMA. Tracy gets me. You can't reattach the genitals after the bulldog has chewed them off. It's, yeah, that it's, that it's train has sailed. You Correct. can't do that, right? Correct, mm -hmm. and so. This is just going to be something, and again, we've we've already seen it. We've seen it manifest many times where I work in that either people coming from uh, an outside company who are applying for a job and they put it in there of, I don't come into the office anymore. I only work from home. And we have to decide, is that a person we're going to take their skills and allow them to do that? Or is this something where this is a make or break thing? And in most cases, it has not been a make or break thing. We've said, okay. But we also have longstanding employees who are saying, now I'm not going back. I will not be going back to the office. And if that means you have to let me go, guess what? There's a lot of companies now who understand this is the way it works and I can go find a job somewhere else. And so we've literally had people in companies like in New York who are now working for companies in San Francisco because New York told them they needed to. I'm not saying with my company. I'm saying with other companies. Mm -hmm. New York has told them they had to come back in. They said no. And now they're working for a company in San Francisco and doing exactly what they wanted to do. So Things have changed, and it'll be interesting to see sort of where it goes from here. And the, the question I always raise is, what are we going to do with all this real estate, too? There's a shitload of office buildings now that have to find a home somehow or have to find a use somehow. Otherwise... Boxing gyms. Perfect. <clears throat> Tracy, story <laughs> so, number eight. A Google spokesperson... Per, blah, 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 stop, show. Google spokesperson said, our compensation packages have always been determined by location, and we pay at the top of the local market based on where an employee works. It's what we've always uh, done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, adding that the pay, pay will differ from city to city and state to state. We have run long. I'm going to cut you off, Tracy. That's the news, fellas. Perfect. We're going to get the hell out of here because we had a fantastic interview with Mr. John Bellin right at the top of the show. Again, if you have not heard of Gene the Werewolf, go look them up. Go find them. Fantastic music, fantastic musicianship, great songs. Go check them out. The other thing I will say is just in the time that we've come back in the 70 shows since, since we have returned, we have now brought you mayoral candidates. We've brought you authors. We have brought you artists and creators of crazy eclectic websites like duty.com. 
We've brought you musicians. That being said, we're always open to guests. So if you have a suggestion for somebody you think we should be talking to on The Dave and Steve Show, email us at thedaveandsteveshow at gmail.com and let us know who you think we should have on the show. Let us know and we'll reach out to them and we'll see what happens. Most of the time, spoiler alert, they ignore us. But when they don't ignore us, it's really good. So send us your suggestions and let us know and we'll have them on the show. Did I get that about right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, come close. The, yeah. The, uh, the ignoring us part was kind of hit hard. I know, that right? Was, that well, hey, hard. guess what, dickhead? Don't tell me I lumber around anymore and we'll, we'll, I'll try not to be so harsh with you. How about that? <clears throat> okay. That's, uh, that's fair enough. All right. We're going to wrap things up. Steve, anything else from you? Yeah, I got a couple of 18-minute stories I need to tell. No, we're good. Tracy, anything else from you? Yeah, have a good time in uh, in Oregon, jackass. Wonderful. For Steve, for Tracy, for me, Dave, we'll talk to you next time right here on the Dave and Steve Show. <laughs> <laughs>